Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 18 of The Witcher, Chaos on the Pontar, an actual play podcast series by Elsewhere and Beyond, run using The Witcher TRPG by R. Talsorian Games. So, where we left off, the party then decided action needs to be taken. And you're all in that dark, damp cellar with Jan. You've made the potions and the salves you need. You've performed the rituals you needed for peace of mind to see where Vargan is. Where does your path lead you now? Back to Bale. Oda will begin to uh, gather some things from the from the cellar and maybe even scrounge up some like lost paperwork that is there. I mean, the witchers left some stuff there, right? You, well, you've gathered as much as you can. You've got decoctions for Draconis vampires, all that sort. We can all find bail men now, okay? So we are going to bring him here then. Is that the idea? Would seem uh, important to discover what exactly happened here. Do you think he will tell us? If there's... Uh, Gorn very good at making people talk. Regardless of (laughs) how good Gorm is, he'll have to speak. Mm. Very well. John interrupts you as you're all kind of gathering your thoughts. There is a rope. We, we set it up, Uther and Tommen and I. It, it connects to a tree stump near the cliff edge. You can take the steps down there. Awful steep, pretty dangerous, but there is a rowboat down there. You can cross over. You don't need to go marching through the fields no more, risking yourselves. Oh, got a climbing stairs. Arthwin looks at him and gives him an almost reluctant pat on the shoulder. Good work. At which point Gorm is already leaving out the door. Come on! Outside of the cellar doors, wrapped three times around the outhouse and leading taut off into the fog is a rope. A guiding rope toward the cliffside. There it is. Use that, John says as he comes up. All the while his eyes scouting the white fog for movement. You've got to be mighty careful though, yeah? They're steep as hell. Work your way down them. There will be a rowboat at the bottom. I'm... I'm going to find Ufa. Let him know that you lot are helping us. Oh, no, no. You you stay in, in basement. It's too dangerous out here. Gorm is right. It's much too dangerous out here. You have to stay down there. Stay put. Oda approaches John and actually puts a hand under his chin to kind of like soft grab his chin to look at her. You do. He doesn't flinch. He's got that, that teenage stubble thing going on. So it's prickly. John, you need to promise me you won't do anything stupid. I know you're courageous, but you're still young. Let us take care of this. Wait for your friend. Go ahead and make me a persuasion check. Sixteen? He nods at you. I'll stay here. I promise. Good. Release him. Pat him on the shoulder. Ah, that's good. What a a cast spell on you. Oh. Oh. And he just closes the cellar door. <laughs> Arthwin will lead the party towards the rope and follow it towards the edge of the cliff. Okay. So when we get over, Gorm gotta hit Mr. Bale and Arthwin carry him. Something like that, I'm sure, Gorm. But uh, let's let's consider the situation when we're there, yeah? Okay. Arthwin, as you are talking to Gorm behind you and behind Gorm is Oda, you do notice something strange about the rope as you use just your left hand on it to guide you along, always ready to snap for your silver sword with your right hand, just the witch's instinct. But you notice in the rope, 
it's wet. You look at the fibers. You never have more than a meter or two of vision in this fog, as now you have passed the boundaries of Oda's spell. And you notice that the wet isn't the dew of the fog, but instead blood. And there are spatterings of it across the ground as well, leading the way you are heading. And eventually, led by Arthur, the rope finds its end at the aforementioned tree stump spoken by John. The guiding line having brought you all to the sheer cliffside, where dry brush and wet mud meets the deathly edge of a sharp drop. A scattering of old and worn steps snake steeply downward toward a small mound of risen earth surrounded by water, 50 meters or more below, each step entirely vertical with the next, better resembling a crumbling ladder more than stairs. The climb will surely be perilous. So I'm going to ask you guys, what is your method of approach? I, I believe we have some rope, don't we? I think one of you even has a grappling hook. Gorm <laughs> has, has a, a climbing hook. And, and he starts just digging through his bags, like pulling out some weird random stuff, like little pouches and just generally like bits of clothing and like there's a ladle in there and some water skin, flint and steel. It's like everything you could want and not want. Oh, here it is, Oswald. And, and he like holds up like a grappling hook that you might use to like during a siege or something. It's like, we use this, okay? A siege, a siege <laughs> grapple hook. He just pulls out a hook that can be fired from him, like a, a ballista. How much rope is attached to this thing? Uh, 20 meters. 20 meters, okay. It's halfway down, roughly. So you'll need at halfway point to reconnect your shorings. Right. I feel like it's still, it's still a better idea to use it than not. And you can use the stump. You can use the stump as a mooring as well. Wait, wait, we could jump for water. <laughs> <laughs> are you insane? Oh, no. Actually, whilst uh, they are looking at the grappling hook and stuff, uh, looks over the... Very reluctantly peers over the edge. And it's interesting. Do you remember we talked about how the, the fog flows like dry ice? Mm -hmm. You can actually, I mean, the cliff is so sheer that you can even kneel and with your palms hold and look over the edge. And this mist and this fog just pours down the side like a big old dry ice machine. And there you see it, the series of steps. One of the steps, even as you're looking at it, just snaps off and crumbles away with your, with your weight oh, up here. Oh, that turns pale. <laughs> Quarm, not so good at swimming, but God float really well. I don't think I'm made for this kind of thing. Let's hope you won't have to float, Gorm. Uh, Arthwin walks over to the stump and he's like swinging the grappling hook on the end of the rope. Uh, he swings it into the stump. It wraps around twice, and then you actually see the sharp grapple of the hook just sink into the to the bark itself, and that could hold ten men at best. Oh, that's very good at tying ropes. Yeah, I did a lot of work on this one, and he uh, he sort of uh, flicks it with a finger. As you look at the stump there, Arthwin, there is a smattering of blood around it. Arthwin's gonna examine the blood, and he sort of he touches it with a finger. Is it fresh? Probably three or four days old. Mm. Can't quite tell what's happened here, but it's not fresh. And he points at the blood. We should be careful. And he's gonna walk over with the rope, 
holding it taut and he's going to peer over the edge. Does he spot anything at the bottom? The waterfall of fog that's pouring down off the sheer cliff makes that a little bit difficult, but you can make out a risen mound of earth down there, a sort of dry-looking brush of hedge that's down there as well. Enough room, at least, for the three of you to get down. Go on, Arthur. There's nothing for it. Who goes first? Is it you, Arthur? Go on, go go first. Go on, Ratchet. Gordon, if you go second and you fall... I might be able to catch you, but I don't think you'll be able to catch me. No, no, you you catch older. <laughs> Gordon, not very good at catching. All right. So, Arthur, you are going first then, yeah? I am going first, yes. I guess it's safe to say that you could wrap the rope first through the buckle of your belt so that you can. it's better to feed it through your hands as you abseil down backwards. I assume that's what you're going for. That is the plan, yes. You're actually abseiling down the side. Arthwin is going to use the rope as as far as is possible, so so he spends as little time as possible putting his life in the hands of these rickety rock steps. Oda, you wrap your arms around the rope yourself as you go next. Oh yeah. And uh, Gorm, does Gorm go second? Actually, no, no, Gorm go last. Gorm, Gorm used to live in mountains. Gorm very good at, at climbing. Gorm, how much do you weigh? I don't know, a thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> what is your weight? Oh, my carry weight is 50.4. <laughs> okay. Oda wrapped herself around the rope as Othwin goes over the side of the ledge, abseiling down. Oda, I would like you to make me a courage check. Oh boy. 18. She just puts a hand against the cold stone of the cliffside takes a deep breath and kind of like, you know, tunes in with the earth. (laughs) Holding onto your staff carefully, using it to knock away any loose rocks before your feet have to (laughs) find purchase on them. And you begin to do a mixture of abseiling with having the rope wrapped around your shoulder, under your arm and around your waist, feeding it through your hands and using the rocks. And it's when you notice, Oda, there are smear marks where hand of blood has passed over the rocks and there are droplets of blood further down beneath you. Gorm. You do the same, wrap yourself up in the rope and begin to abseil down. You do get to the halfway point and this is a a difficult moment because it's here at this little ridge, this spot where the stairs break at the top into a very small platform of stone where the second set of steps continue. The three of you will have to press your bodies against the rock as Arthwin tugs on the rope and resettles it here. I'm going to ask all of you to make me your choice of physique or athletics. Oh, boy. Gorm holds on to rock. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I've never seen a crit that high before. <laughs> Gorm just rolled a 49. Arthurin rolls a 21. And Oda rolls a 13. Gorm, Oda begins to slip on your left. Oh, no. As oh, the no. stone crumbles. And she begins to fall backwards. Oh, no. She lets go and she can't make it. Gorm grabs for her arm. Like he's holding on to like, a, he has a good grip on like a, a bit of rock. And he like with one little clawed hand and grabs for Oda's arm with the other. You are pulled back into the sheer face. <gasps> your leg dangling, having nearly fallen. Ah, Oda! <sighs> I, I think you just saved me, Gorm. Gorm always saved Oda. I guess so. And, uh, 
Definitely very uh, <laughs> shaken. Othwin said not jump in water, so don't do that order. Othwin, you wrap more of the rope around another mooring point. A large metal stake driven into the side of the cliff. And you go down the last 20 or so metres. Until eventually you're the first to drop down. Oda drops down after you and Gorm doesn't quite touch the ground because the rope runs out so he has to actually <laughs> let go and fall <laughs> to the ground for the last <laughs> meter. Gorm <laughs> got down. There's a splat as his bum hits the ground first and just like the soft mud of the of this lower portion of land just separates out. Why, why do I feel like you see him as Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm okay with that though. That's, that's, a, that's okay a perfect description of him. As the last of you find your footing on this small bank of earth, Arthwin, your highly sensitive sense of smell detects a pungent aroma of death. Hmm. Arthwin turns around as he drops off the rope and he looks towards, or he uh, he just sort of looks around this mound. But it doesn't take you long to discover the source of the odour. As under the only thorny bush in sight is a rowboat concealed up and out of the water, hauled onto the bank. The boat is heavy, and with enough of a heave, it finally slides loose from beneath the shade of the bush. Its weight is revealed to you as a cold, wet and pale young man's body inside it. Blood pooling in the footwells and smeared on the oars, he's still clutching. Can Arthwin tell that he's suffered an impact like he fell? Or is there something else? I imagine then you pull the body from its position laying down inside the, the uh, well. He would definitely kneel down and uh, investigate the corpse. It's blood loss. Oh. Across the chest is a deep slash. Around the neck is a wooden rat medallion on a piece of string. In the man's hand is a two-handed silvered battle axe. Seeing all the blood marks to the way here, part of me had hoped whoever this was would have made it. What is it? The man is young, Gorm. He appears to be no older or not much younger than Jan. It's kind of curly brown, sandy hair. And one of the things you notice is his hands are very calloused, as is much of the young men around these parts, but he wears rags, more homeless looking attire. Oh, uh, uh, he, 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 friend of, of blacksmiths, I think so. Arthwin takes the, the, the wooden medallion and he sort of tugs on it to remove it from the, the, the body and he examines it. It's the same kind of, I mean, none of the medallions look the same because they're not cast, right? They're, they, they're, they're whittled, mm. but this person's put a lot of effort into trying to make it look like John's. Oh, can Gorm take this? And Gorm Gorm goes to pick up the battle axe. Covered in blood, but it is still very much intact. He won't need it. We 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 bring him back so he can get burial. I agree. Uh, Arthwin pulls on the body, just sort of pulling him out from underneath the boat, uh, and he flips over the boat to get ready to set off. And as he's doing so, he he looks back at the body and he says. He doesn't look like much of a guard captain's son to me. Oh, no, Gorfig. Gorfig, he, he's a, a homeless friend. This will be our Tommen, then. Mm. Oda nods as she 
leans over the body and will actually try to close his eyes, assuming they're uh, maybe still open. Throw a symbol on his forehead with her thumb. Hmm. Oh, 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 not doing big magic to bring him back? No, Gorm, not today. As Arthwin pushes the boat into the water, he turns his head and he asks, What do you suppose happened to him? He's lost a lot of blood. It doesn't look like he died from the fall. Perhaps the penitent got him. Yet another victim. Come on, get him on. Oh, go on, go on, go on, get him on. You load him back into the boat yeah, again. and he's is gonna, for once, let Arthur roll. We, we go through, we go over to, to boat with Sansa? Yeah, that's, mm. sounds like a, sounds like a plan. Arthur, you begin to row. As Gorm props up the body, Oda sat on the strut behind, and you take charge with the oars. It only takes a few minutes to cross that gulf of water, until eventually you moor up the rowboat alongside the acolyte. You hear the barking of Barksley up on deck, Fluffy muttering to himself, and you make your way up onto the pier. Gorm will bring the body up to the pier. Barksley rushes down the plank in excitement to see you, Gorm, he wags his tail as he as he runs around you in circles, so happy to see oh, you. Hi, Barksley. Oh, he wants to bring you a gift, oh. as dogs often do, and he rushes over and he grabs Tommen's arm and yanks it in your direction towards you, dragging oh, the no, body. No, Barksley, oh, no, not, oh, thank you, Barksley. <laughs> and then he grabs Tommen's arm and drags the body down the pier towards the dock, no, no. where people are. Arthwin wants to intervene here. <laughs> yes. Arthwin... Uh, follows the dog and it might look like he's about to be very rough with this animal but he just he just kneels down and he puts his hand on Barksley's uh, just on top of his head and he and just strokes his face gently and he takes he takes the arm away from him come on Barksley it's okay roll me a wilderness survival check 17 the dog whimpers as he puts down the arm and licks you a few times and runs back off in uh, Gorm's direction, wagging his tail, sitting down, waiting for some form of treat or something from Gorm. Gorm, hmm. I don't know if Gorm has any kind of treat right now, but he, he showers the, the pup with, with affection and little little Gorm kisses and just many scratches. And they, they kind of they roll around. Looks like they roll around for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is a good moment. Would you like to take Barksley with you, or do you send him back off to the boat? It's a good question. I think actually Gorm is gonna saddle him up and like <laughs> ride into town astride his mighty, uh, his mighty <laughs> mount. I just polished that, says Fluffy. Oh, are you gonna put it on? Oh, you did wonder. Oh, a nice buckle. Step that in there. All right, Barksley, hold still. Are you like to get? No, watch your ears. And he starts <laughs> applying it all around. Ah, oh, fl- Fluffy little squire. Oh, yeah, you little squire in a way. I'm telling you, I've never really been a squire. I don't actually think I'd be a good one. <laughs> then, then, then Gorm Knight. Oh, I don't know about that, Gorm, but <laughs> I'd be careful with your titles if you're throwing them around. <laughs> Arthwin, whilst this is all happening, you and Oda are standing by the body. A couple of locals have approached. They've come over to you. Is that Tommen? Oh, bless him. Such an awful thing. Such an awful thing to lose your parents and... Oh, I can't look at him. Poor boy. Do you know whether Tommen has any family left that we could return him to? No. 
Petty B War. No family at all. We we can bring him to blacksmith. He 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 said he he'd be there sometime and help and get food and stuff. And at this point, Gorn is like he's he's back astride. Barksley. Oh, he's back! He's back riding Barksley. <laughs> the the woman's a little confused with that, and she decides to take her friend and walk away from the bodies. And the third creature riding a dog. Floofy, can 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 you take a body with to blacksmith man? I I I think we should make sure that Tommen gets a proper burial, at least in these times, but um... I've got a sheet I could put it over him for now and I could put a couple of these flowers here on him so people know not to disturb That's, that's very good and uh, we should wait for the boys to return as well, I think they want to be there for that Fluffy lays the sheet down doesn't quite get it right because it's just over the lower half of the body and he kind of looks at it Oh no, that is not going to work at all. That you can see his poor, sad face, and he grabs it and he puts it over the young man's face and places a single daffodil on his chest. I make sure no one be doing nothing that's too not right here. Don't you worry about that. Oh, this is very important, Flover. You'll keep him married. I will, but please be careful with that saddle. I polish that to something fierce. I'm already hot in it. Oh, <laughs> and uh, the halfling goes and sits on a stump of the dock one of the pillars that keep that thing up off the water, and he starts whittling at his own tools. As uh, this has been going on, Arthwin has just uh, headed on board to fetch this magnificent armor. Of course, you definitely have enough time to adorn yourself in the griffin armor. You do have to make a couple of adjustments, though, and you find yourself taking out your your scavenging knife and just cutting this bit off. You don't need this bit. You obviously have to, to, to make some adjustments for the chest size. You find yourself just yanking bits of the material in and pulling up some of the buckles, and eventually you get yourself dressed, and you are now wearing the full set of Griffin armor. What do you do with the weapons? Do you leave them there, the silver sword and the steel sword? They're identical to the ones I already have, and as long as uh, Gorm or Oda don't want to, to hang on to one or two or both of them, then I'll just stash them. Okay. Well, you say goodbye to Sansa, who seems to be very busy with something or other. And you head on back out to the others. Go uh, uh, right off to get Captain uh, Stanner Man. I think we should all go, Gorm. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Heel Barksley in the little ribs, just a little nudge, and he starts to valiantly walk beside Oda and Arthwin as he trots along. <laughs> and you have this little like this is a bit different than a horse trot, as you see Gorm sat there, and you and you actually notice as you're walking along like this knight atop a, a steed that some of the locals stand back and they take their hats off and they bow at you <laughs> as you come through. People are very confused as to what this means. Gorm just kind of waves to him. Like, Hello! It is a valiant knight from a faraway land with different customs. <laughs> Eventually then you work your way up towards the gatehouse. There you see Captain Stannart standing before his guards in a mere constant state of frustration. He turns to see you all approaching, takes a moment to process the werebub riding the dog before he strides on down to meet you. It is good to see you three return, but where is your fourth? Oh, he, he had fire. Yeah, okay. Unfortunately, we lost my my father in the mist, but I assure you, he is, he's well. The man looks confused. But as you've already noticed with Stannart, he's not one to question what he's told. Mm. Not always. Mm. 
we we find we find uh uh uh, uh Jan and uh, and uh, Tom and he he fell. You found Jan. Mm. Where is Tom and now? Is he injured? Ah. Uh, then my son Uther. Have you seen him? Oh no, no see Uther. Arthwin will step up and say, Captain Stannart, we will need your help for this next part. We have reason to believe that your son yet lives, but we need your help and the help of Lord Bale. What do you want me to do? What do you need? We'll need to confront Lord Bale about this. We need to get him to come with us. He needs to face this, and you need to help us make sure. Then what do you propose? He will not leave the safety of his quarters. We 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 find we find house where where people locked in and and fire. What what do you know of the um of the sanctuary on the uh... on the other side of the bridge? But during the siege, Bale and his men evacuated the women and children there, took them to Foltest camps, looked after them. Captain, I'd hope to spare you the details, but this I believe is the reason for. For the troubles plaguing Lavalette. Mm, it's because of Bale, man. Bale is responsible. You see the muscles in Captain Stannart's jaw clench. He throws his helmet into the earth next to you. I'll be one moment. And he turns from all of you. He walks past his guards, storms through the gatehouse, and you see him striding with purpose up the ramp behind the portcullis gate. There... He steps into a building to the left, a noble-looking building with beautiful flowers outside. There is a pause. A minute passes. And eventually, the smash of a window happens. The cry of a man. Before being thrown out of the top story, his body tumbling and cascading down, you hear the fracture of a bone. Following him down the steps, Captain Stannart grabs at Bale's robes dragging him down that ramp back towards the portcullis. He drags him through the gatehouse, smashing him into all the furniture, as you can hear from here. Eventually pulling out the man, Bale is dragged before you. You, you lying son of a ploughing swine! You told us, you told us that the women and children... He slaps Bale across the face. You, you told us they were safe! The guards at the gate, with terror in their eyes, lurch forward towards their captain to try and pull him away from the noble lord. Oh, Gorm is going to try and like and, and stride boxly forward to bark at them and like to stop the guards. <laughs> Make me an intimidation check with a plus one. Can Arthwin assist? How would you assist? Uh, Arthwin would, in that same motion, step forward to interrupt them, uh, try trying to get the captain off. Could you then go ahead and roll me an intimidation check, please? Gorm isn't that scary because you only got a 10. <laughs> <laughs> Barksley is panting and looking cute to everyone. They're not interested in him, but that is a 31, Arthwin. That is a critical mm. success. What are you going to do? Arthwin is going to step forward uh, and his determination here mirroring that of Captain Stannart. Uh... He basically just ignores the guards and he walks forward and, and he grabs Lord Bale by his hair and he just sort of pulls him up to his knees. Bale utterly withers before you. Guards, look, look what these people are. Heathens, the lot of them, they're a monster riding a dog. These are the enemies. You need to answer for what you've done. 
Your actions have turned me. He leans down, putting his face right in front of Lord Bales, and my companions into your judges and your jury. Your next actions will determine if we will also be your executioners. And he spits in the man's face. Bale hocks one back and spits back at you in return. Vile savage! I should have had you and your sorceress swine woman burnt when I first saw you. He's going to interrupt him by throwing his face down into the mud. And he's going to he's going to wiggle off one of his boots. And he's going to peel off one of his sweaty, dirty, wet socks. Oh, no, they're gross. And he's going to bundle that up. And he's just going to grab him by his hair. He's going to shove it in that in the Lord's mouth. The mumbling comes thick and fast. And he pats him on his cheek and he grabs him by his hair and he he just turns towards the bridge again and he looks at the captain and the guards and his companions and he says, let's finish this. And he starts striding off. Bale's not walking, guys. He's taking a few steps. He takes takes a few steps and then he falls to his knees and then like Arthwin's bicep just in full flex as he's just grabbing him along. His own wintry cloak just bellowing behind him. People come from all over to see the spectacle. You hear one woman shout out, Yeah, I bet now you'll be hungry, won't you? When your face is full of mud. Another man calls out, That's what you deserve. That is what you deserve. And they see Bale being dragged out. Hey, where's your gates now, Bale? Another man calls. And they people are just forming on all sides, creating this natural ch- channel towards the bridge. As you take him there and you bring him before it, Bale starts muffling and waving his hands at you, trying to get your attention, Arthwin. Well, Arthwin is not going to let him stand. He's holding him by his hair. And while he's been sort of pulling him up, and along as he's dragged him all the way down here. Now he's pulling him towards the ground. He's not going to let this man stand. And he puts his hand into his mouth and just yanks the sock out. No, don't let me go out there. It will kill me. It will kill me. Oh, my money I could offer you. And why do you think that is? (laughs) That this thing will kill you. He looks at the fog. He looks at Oda. He tries to ignore it even now. He's just that kind of man. <laughs> please, Witcher, show mercy to me, please, Witcher. My friend asked you a question. We've all made mistakes, haven't we? We've all done things we're not proud of. I'm sure you have, Witcher. Is this really the time you want to be accusing me of making mistakes? He trembles. And then what he does is try and crawl away from you. And away. In that instance, Arthwin is going to just kick the man. And uh, he's just going to straddle him. And he takes a sock and he's just rubbing it into the dirt on the bridge. And just uh, between the cracks of the stones. He says, uh, I'm going to give you one chance to answer the question truthfully. And if you do, I might let you die without this sock in your mouth. Bale looks back to you. His eyes wide with terror and panic. He tries desperately to fight against your grasp and he sees you rolling up the sock in the mud and he turns his head back, snapping it towards the people. Help me! Can't you see I'm being savaged? This woman is a sorceress! She means to pry my parts apart! 
<laughs> she means to take my manhood and burn it. <laughs> That's not a lot to burn. <laughs> right. Well, as he struggles, Arthwin's going to to just ram the sock back in. <laughs> he starts to struggle back again. He pats him on the cheek just a little bit. Like there we go, and he just. Full, just grabs his his hair, just like as if he's gonna tie a ponytail, and he just holds it in both hands, and he just like almost swings him by his hair to drag him along as if he was a sack over your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bale spends the best efforts of his energy just clutching at the air, trying to clutch at your robe and and rip at your own hair to get some kind of traction against you, and it just doesn't work as you're pulling him and dragging him closer towards the fog right across the bridge. Arthwin's going to head towards the house again, towards the basement. You return to the thickest part of the fog. White everywhere. Flashes of green, pale flame in the distance. And you work your way forward towards the ominous shapes, the outlines of buildings and ruined houses. Until eventually you see that perfect well in the middle of the street. And you recognize Oda, that charred blackened house above the cellar. There has been no resistance this time coming back into the fog, nor have you struggled to find your way. Hmm. And as the group approach, you see Bale struggle even more. (laughs) Some noise is going off behind the sock, and a cool breeze begins to blow over you. There's the fog, which, if you remember, is weaker here because your your ritual odour that you performed in this space, it's more just a, a clear general translucence and not a thickening. You can see very well in this 20 metre radius. The house itself ignites. Fire bursts through the windows. Flames swirl up through the roof. A great heat begins to blast out of the door. And that building is a light. Arthwin is going to force Bale to watch. You watch the scene ahead change. A dozen or so figures of dark smoke stand around, spectres of the past. One of them, with a cloak of shadow behind him, strides up the stairs. Oh, just put a wheel in front of the door. That'll do until they stop struggling or the flames melt them. Come the commands from a familiar voice. The spectre in charge turns back to a mass of figures in the fog. Oh, think of this as a cleansing of sorts. Oh, Voltest has come to rid this castle of all its wrongdoing and sin, and we're just taking part. Now to your stations, please. I believe in the morn we are to take the front walls. And the figure walks out into the fog. The fires burn hotter and hotter before they turn green and then go out. The man struggles as he's clawing at your back now. Arthwin's gonna drop him. Just let him fall. Without any effort to stop his own fall, he hits the mud hard. I believe I've seen all I need to see. Mm, tall. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe Arthwin break his leg so he can't run away. You're interrupted, Gorm. Your ritual odor? The one you put down to push back the fog. It is dispelled with ease as the candle is snuffed out and the fog returns. 
Odesh shares a sort of fearful glance, wide-eyed glance to Arthwin, almost as if checking with him. Like, like, like looking know. at the flight attendant during the turbulence. Like, is this okay? Like, are oh, we yeah. okay here? Oh, yeah. Gorm, Gorm, not think it's a good idea to stay. Looks back at Oda with like a reassuring look in his eyes. Like, he's, he's not scared. This will be over soon. What is left of the door is blasted out and shrapnel into the mud. A horrifying, pale flame fills the doorway before the form of a man begins to take shape. Grey ashen skin, a crown of candles, a red hood. He pulls himself through the door, gripping on the frame as he does so, and once through he reveals himself to be twice the height of a man. And over one shoulder, a great and heavy sword is carried. He strides down the steps as ash and smoke follows behind him. The penitent has come. It says one more time. Arthwin is going to kneel down next to Bale and he's going to grab him by his hair again and make sure he's looking at this creature. And he, he whispers in his ears, That'll be your executioner now. He stands and he looks at the charred ruin and then back at the penitent. You can have him. And he throws him forward. The penitent leans down. It's like a giant. He looms over the fallen noble. And he too grabs Bale by the hair, pulling him up, pulling him high off the ground. We sentence you. And just like that, you see Bale's head out of some unseen force snap sideways. The shoulders break, the elbows snap backwards, the arms crooked crack in directions they shouldn't go, the legs crack and turn, the spine snaps in half. The body disconnects at the collarbone, that only the lower part of the neck and the head remains as the penitent grabs with its left hand the torso and pulls it clean from the head. Bale is dead and the head of the noble is thrown at your feet. The penitent falls to its knees and runs its hands through the soil and you hear many voices of women and children and a great light begins to spill forth from the chest of the penitent as it blinds all three of you. And when the light fades, all that you can see around you is the open wide battlefield on which Foltest waged his war. No penitent and no fog. <laughs> I mean, hmm, can I do a, like a, a control check on Barksley? Absolutely. I would say that's a DC 15 wilderness survival check. Because Barksley is rushing around. He's got the zoomies because the atmosphere has changed so much. The light, of course, dazzled him and and, and you fumbled. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> you are thrown from the saddle as Barksley tears off up the street towards the well. The stirrup that you had your foot in snaps off. <laughs> Roffy's not going to be happy about that. And you hit the ground face first, being dragged along before you manage to loosen your way free. Oh no. From head to toe, you are covered in mud. Ah, my heart, not again. In realizing that he's goofed up, 
Barksley whimpers a little and cowers over at the well. <laughs> Barksley, come back! Oh, hell. Oda is thrown by the moment, or still with her head in the moment, um, to react to uh, Gorm being thrown off Barksley. Bale's head is still there, I, I assume. Bale's head is still there, lying on the ground in front of you. It is not a perfect decapitation, I have to warn you of that. And Oda swallows deep and takes a step forward and presses low. Little nudges her fit against Bale's uh, decapitated head. Oh, well, I suppose that was that then. The fog is lifting, right? The fog is entirely gone at this point. You do see as you're getting up from the well, rubbing all that mud down and trying your best to clean yourself up. This always happens to Gorm. (laughs) Many people are beginning to cross the bridge and find their way out here to the battlefield from the settlement. Arthwin's gonna lean down and pick up the head. Is there anything you need from this from this thing? Uh, devil's tongue, idiot's eyes, any, any magic ritual that needs something like that? <laughs> A kind offer, but uh, not from this man. Great. He just throws it to the side, into the mud. Gorm comes waddling back, like, trying to wipe mud off himself. <laughs> got very scared. Gorm got muddy again. A couple of the people approach now, the more inquisitive sorts. You did it. And they point to the road that leads out from this town, the one that went through the battlefield and up over a rise. There's a town that way, three miles. A farming village. Everyone, we can get food. Ah. They turn and call back and you see this person walk back towards his people and they're already discussing. We can get Shandy's wagon. And you, you still have two horses left. They're thin, I know, but they'll still go three miles. And you can see the villagers are starting to talk about their plans of how to look after themselves. Gorm is gonna check Bale's butter. What's he can find the rest of it? <laughs> See if there's any coin maybe he can give them. You do find a couple of chicken drumsticks in his inner pocket. Do He was keeping them for later. <laughs> Gorm is keeping those. You don't find any money per se, but you do find a couple of odd trinkets and odds and ends. Hair clips, ribbons, a child's doll, a woman's bridal garter. Oh. Very strange indeed. Oh, oh, now what this? And he holds up the garter. <laughs> Ah, uh, that is a, <clears throat> um, just don't look at that, Gorm. Oh. And Oda rolls her eyes and actually starts walking towards the cellar door. <laughs> Arthur is just looking at the, at the body of Lord Bale and he's somehow even more disgusted with this person than he was before. And he's just grimacing. Gods be good. And he turns away and... He walks off with Oda. Gorm not finding anything of value. He's just going to leave all the, the weird junk. And uh, he's going to get back on Barkley and maybe ride around some of the the exposed islands. Maybe look for some weapons or something. Yeah, try and look for uh, some bits and bobs. It's mostly rusted equipment, Gorm. Rusted shields. A lot of bodies still in the armor they died in. Cleanup was really bad here. You don't really find any kind of supplies on the battlefield. It doesn't stop the locals from coming out and foraging as well. 
And there is some desperation in their eyes that you don't feel being a traveler. Gorm leaves them to it and just heads back to the to the cellar again. Well, Oda and Arthurin, you've discovered that the cellar door is open. And there are footprints, along with yours, that have head towards the cliffside. John? John doesn't answer. Arthurin's going to run towards the cliff. Oda slightly lifts her skirt to run after uh, Arthurin. From here, the cliff is only about 10 meters away. You, it really was. The fog was really very close. So when you get to the edge of the felt cliff... longer. Yeah, it felt longer. When you got to the edge of the cliff, you can see, even from here, that I'm afraid John broke his promise. From here, down at the docks, you can see him and another man knelt down by the body that Fluffy had covered the sheet in. Mm. And his head is resting on that young man's chest. Mm. The guy that you haven't seen before, there's a, another young man standing nearby, has just... He's just crossing his arms, and his palm is on his head. Ah, oh, Arthur, it's, it's good. The yarn is okay. Arthwin breathes a sigh of relief. Uh, 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 go back to uh, Blacksmith Man and, and stand out and get secret in castle. I think that'd be the best course of action. Arthwin sort of is looking towards the, the boys and the dead body, and he just wordlessly turns around and he's going to head back towards the bridge. Well, if the party are returning and, and Gorm, you manage to get back atop Barksley, <laughs> people stand back for you, again, dropping their hats and nodding at you. And this time there's a bit of value to it because people know what you've done. And uh, you hear murmurings of like, they've saved our lives. I know about him. He gave my son some money, got him off the street. He's helping Davil Savick, that one. God bless you, third one. God bless you. Oh, yeah. it's, it's just gone. And he weeps. And so the party make their way across the bridge, leaving behind those that now travel for hope, those who travel for a new life, the hopeless, and those scavenging for what they can of their previous and former lives. Already, far off in the distance, you can hear people beginning to squabble and fight for scraps. You can hear stones being lifted and swords being drawn. As much is inevitable in the world of the Witcher, this dark and grim land. That is all we have time for today, so make sure to join in next time for episode 19 of The Witcher, Chaos on the Pontar. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>